Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Tonight, a sin north and Botiano Aman from MPs call a truce after an earlier showdown and near fisticuffs in the full glare of your colleagues during parliamentary proceedings over cash. Kennedy Japan followed the Botiano English Aman from MP, tried to hold his head, turn him back. The Botiano English Aman from MP will not back. The information we are picking is this has to do with some money between the two men. Kennedy Japan goes to him to ask for that amount of money and Paiketa tells him that if he thinks he owes him, he should take him to court. This is something that infuriated Kennedy Japan so much that he nearly threw his hands. But is it over or they live to fight another day? We have details of what transpired and speak to the deputy majority leader who played the mediation role in this fight. Also, government yet to pay $23 million owed GMPC 17 years after the sale of telecommunications company Westel, Western Telesystems Westel to Celtel International in Zane in 2007. That arose as a result of the sale of Westel. So it's an old debtor to be standing in our books. We have details of the Parliamentary Accounts Committee sitting today and MPs ask National Security and Water Resources Ministry to deploy water tankers to Tamale as the metropolis suffers acute water shortage, describing it as a humanitarian crisis. National Security should take this matter as serious, serious and then make sure that they provide water. The water shortage in Tamale is a humanitarian crisis. A government to consider declaring Tamale a water scarce zone. And if you are in Somanya and its environs, prepare to stock up on water as the Ghana Water Company plans to shut down one of its planting boom that serves the Krobo Somanya area for two days. We'll hear from the company. Uh, but management have been there with a the team of engineers, including myself. We have been there the whole day to ascertain the preparations and, the, and to know what is happening. It's even possible that we'll finish ahead of time. I start to review ourselves for eight hours so that anyway, we'll be able to cover all what we need and in business, Bank of Ghana increases dollar support for market as it explores other measures to help deal with the recent pressure on the Ghana city. And in sports, after $145 million, Botteman Sports Complex is ready to host the rest of Africa for the All-Africa Games. And later, we'll head to the coastal community of Halfasini in Jomoro District in the western region where teenage girls are compelled to trade sex for fish in a bid to fend for themselves. So due to that, the girls are young, so the fishermen take advantage of the situation and have sex with them. Fish for sex is prevalent here. 
We have that and more in this afternoon, in this edition of Newsnight here on Joy 99.7 FM. You can join us with your thoughts and comments. It's via WhatsApp 055-1111-997. I am MFA Apau. And my name is Evans Mentor. And this evening, money, they say, is the root of all evil. And that evil nearly read its head in Parliament, but for the intervention of the leadership of the House. Now, this morning, two MPs, Asin North and also the Botiano Amanfrom MP, Sylvester Tete, um, literally um, gave, we know that the Asin North MP literally gave the Botiano Amanfrom MP, Sylvester Tete, a showdown in the full glare of their colleagues during parliamentary proceedings. Well, did you say you missed it? Then listen to Parliamentary Affairs Correspondent Kwekwa Santi's narration of the incident to me on the Midday News. It was only Alexa Nafenyo Martin that prevented the two MPs from trading blows and they were visibly furious at each other, exchanging words. The MP for Botiano English, Amanfum, had come to leadership to say something to another MP and was going out and then Kennedy Japan accosted him, went to him, muttered some words to each other and then Kennedy Japan followed the Botiano English, Amanfum MP tried to hold his head, turn him back. The Botano English amount from MP was not bad. He was still going up. And Kennedy Japan was still chasing him, literally exchanging words with him. It was then that the leadership of the House really knew that something bad could really happen if they did not intervene. So Alexander Fender-Markin got out from his chair and actually went straight to where that exchange was happening, tried to stand in between the two men and tried to calm them down. But clearly, Kennedy Japan would not listen to anybody and he was still chasing after the Botiano English amount from MP. So the deputy majority leader decided that the best option was to walk out Slaitete and ensure that Kine Japan would become. Kine Japan later returned to his seat. He was spoken to by some senior MPs. He was still extending words. In fact, some of the words he was speaking were so loud we could hear it from the press gallery. But the Okaikwe Central MP tried to calm him down. Eventually he calmed down and he eventually left the chamber. The information we are picking is this has to do with some money money between the two men and that Slaitete will have to give Kennedy Japan some money. Kennedy Japan goes to him to ask for that amount of money and Slaitete tells him that if he thinks he owes him, he should take him to court and that this is not the avenue to come and ask him for the money. And this is something that infuriated Kennedy Japan so much that he nearly threw his hands but for the intervention of the deputy majority. And I can just see Kennedy Japan's car right now. He's just taking his seat in his car and he's going out of parliament. I'm sure as curious as um, you are, you must have been finding out how much money is involved here. Well, the, the source will not tell me the amount, but tells me that it's huge. And that for Kine Japan to go after that money and not want to let it go, want, not want to let it sleep, means that it's something huge. It might have been money involved in the political campaign season that we've just seen, right from the flag bearership race up to the NPP parliamentary primary. But Kine Japan is assuring that he will definitely go after the member of parliament for Botana English amount from and get whatever is due from him. And what happened on the floor of the house is just the start of the show. Sly was walked out of the chamber. He has not returned to the floor. The deputy majority leader stayed with him for some time outside of the house. And um, later on, I saw him walk out from the where the speakership normally walks in. I tried to go to him to try and have a word with him. He would not. He would not talk to anybody. 
Well, so this happened whilst the Asokwa MP Patricia PJ was making a contribution on the floor of Parliament today. And our, our audience on Facebook and myjohnland.com can watch that video, which captured a lot of part of this near fisticuff. Now, listen to how the Asokwa MP lost her train of thought while watching the incident and trying to stay focused on her presentation. Compliment to the size and uh, the lady who holds the size. <laughs> yes, I'd like to compliment and commend the who organizes the science. A number of science lecturers have been uh, mentioned here as contributing towards the improvement of women in science. And I would like to particularly name the effort made by KNUST uh, Faculty of Science. Well, so that's uh, the Asukwa MP, uh, Patricia Page, and you are appreciated better once you watch the video on our social media platforms and how this all unfolded. And Kweku also brought us um, what our cameras captured in terms of the latter part of this particular fisticuff, and it's been on our social media platforms. But let's bring in Kweku, because at the end of it all, uh, there was a truce that was called, uh, mediated on by uh, the Deputy Majority Leader, Alexander Fenyomaki. Now, Kweku, let's talk about, at uh, the last time we spoke, you mentioned how uh, the Kennedy or Henry Japong had driven out of parliament and then the Amanfru MP had come back and all that. Really, at what point did this truce coming, you'd say? Well, Alexander Senyomakin actually stayed out for some time. Uh, it was just about 10 minutes to when the house was expected to adjourn that he came back inside the house. Eventually when the house adjourned, and the information we are picking is that was part of all the reason why the house did not sit for so long today. The house adjourned just around 1 p.m. today. And right after that, a lot of uh, MPs went to Afenyo Martin. You could see them around his seat. They stood around. And then he went straight to his office. We tried to follow up because he had been the person to mediate this to try and see if we can get a word from him on what exactly might have happened and what decisions his side, the leadership on his side, were going to take about that events on the floor of the house. He wouldn't speak to anybody. He went to his office, and his office was almost barricaded off to any journalist. But later on, we were able to get some videos and pictures from inside when Sylvester Tete actually went in. Kirede Japan also went in. Portugal, my MP for the Mar East also went in. A number of MPP MPs, including the majority chief with Frank Anodampre, also went in there. They met for about 30 minutes, and then the pictures and videos started coming to us that those two gentlemen had finally made a truce, and that the specific issues that had brought them to near Festacup on the floor of the house had been resolved. And as far as the majority leadership is concerned, there is no more act, there's no more questions to be answered by these two MPs. Of course, some minority MPs who will not go on the record had been muttering about why this will probably have to go to the Privileges Committee because it happened on the floor of the house. But as far as Parliament is concerned, this did not happen because it was not introduced to the record. No one spoke on the record to it. We saw how the Asukwa MP Patricia PG was visibly confused about how to go about the contribution she was making when that melee was happening on the floor. But the leadership have been able to trust out these issues and they say that their side is confident that these issues have all have been put to bed and the two gentlemen are back to being friends. But really now, uh, the issue is about the real issues behind this near fisticuff. Have we been able to ascertain what exactly um, happened? You've been talking about the issue about cash amongst others. 
definitely we have been trying to ask questions of these two persons because they are the ones who will be able to tell us what exactly drove them into exchanging those words in the middle of parliament. None of them is willing to speak to the, the in fact some of us have been advised that because of the tempest, if you go near one of the of the parties, he might be so angry he might he might throw you off. So we have not been able to approach some of them. But for those we have been able to get to, they are unwilling to speak to the record. And the majority leadership who are seized with the facts of the matter now say this is an internal house matter and they are not willing to divulge. But the sources have been able to tell us this is all about money, it's about some debt that someone has to pay to carry the Japan and someone retorting that the only way you get that amount of money from me is if you took me to court. But those are unofficial because the two persons who are the center of this, the two persons who exchange those words on the floor of the house are not willing to go on the record. But the leadership say we should put that behind because they've been able to bring some truth between those two MPs. That's a parliamentary affairs correspondent, Peku. And I know that you've been trying to get some reaction from Sylvester Tete uh, and the others involved in this matter for some reactions as well. I must, I, I bet it must have been difficult. Yeah, very much so. Uh, we have been trying. In fact, when this happened initially, I went close to Sylvester Tete to try and get some words from him. He would not speak to it. We understand that as part of making that truth, they've all been asked not to speak to the media or not. And in fact, the leadership of the majority side were not even happy that that news had been carried by journalists in the House today. And so, as far as they are concerned, they do not want any further discussions of this. And they think this is just a distraction. The two MPs had a disagreement like any normal persons would. And the most important thing is that the two gentlemen have come around the table to resolve their differences. I've been asking some persons, this is clearly a disorderly conduct. This is something that can end up at the Privileges Committee. Normally, it will be the minority who will probably raise some issues to it and say that, listen, this happened on the floor of the House, it should not happen, and so the Speaker should probably make a referral. But as usual of Parliament and the mantra of sometimes protecting their own, not even MPs from the minority side who were on the floor at the time this was happening are willing to go on the record and speak to it. And the majority leadership have not seized the matter, placed the gap literally on their side, the members, asking no person to speak to the journalist to, to journalists on these issues on the record and they want to deal with this as an internal matter. Nasa Parliamentary Affairs Correspondent Quickwest Antien Evans, we know that this is not the first time uh, this particular MP, the Asin North MP, is involved in such matters. We know about the Aswansi MP, Mutaka Mumbarak incident, the Busumifrehu MP also, and then the latest, we've also seen Anod Dompre, the Ensawa Madweji MP's um, in incident also with Kennedy Ohinia Japong. Then today, um, about we're learning about Sylvester Tete as well. It's a live your news night on Joy 99.7 FM. And let's stay in Parliament, where we learned today that there is a water crisis in the northern regional capital, Tamale, that has left many schools and hospitals worse affected. Today, the members of Parliament uh, asked Parliament to get the National Security and Minister for Works and Housing to deploy water tankers to Tamale, which we understand now is suffering acute water shortages. MP for Tamale, South Andredrisu, who made an urgent statement on the floor of the house explained that schools and hospitals have been worse hit in the Tamale metropolis and have not had water in some areas for months now. Now, he proposed declaring Tamale a water scar zone, characterizing the situation as a humanitarian crisis demanding urgent government intervention. 
And the matter relates to an acute water shortage in Tamale, a crisis that affects the daily lives of our constituents in the greater Tamale metropolis and its environs. And the acute water shortage has gripped our city, leaving our beloved people patched and uh, desperate. May I speak at that has occasioned some immense hardship and impacting negatively on every aspect of life in the Tamale city, whether from Gujatua, Kudula, through Lamashegu, through Sanarugu, through Kobrimagu, Kuku, or whether through Kutongle, or Pansi, or Sakasaka, or Sognai, or Sabonjira, the problem remains the same. And our people are seen carrying what is popularly known as the Kufuo gallons in search for water. Mr. Speaker, many of the communities have not even seen pipe-borne water in the last few years. In some areas, for two years, no pipe flowing. And many of the rural areas, such as Toto, Yapala, Zo, Nantonzo, Kapaile, have to rely on dam water in order to be able to access uh, portable water. Escuchas ese rugido Sientes la experiencia de poder La emoción de la libertad Ya estás preparado Para vivir tu nueva aventura Nueva Ram 1500 Hecha para vivir Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC Have suffered delays I do know that government came in With some 272 million euro assurance That there will be further development On the Biowater International Limited uh, water project, which was at Dalang, and to move it to uh, Yapi so that access could be expanded even to affect areas like uh, Tamangu. Mr. Speaker, Tamale is fast growing and is considered one of the fastest growing cities in West Africa and is becoming a major uh, problem for many of us members of parliament in that particular area. Mr. Speaker, accordingly, I want to. Uh, uh, government to consider declaring Tamale a water scarce zone, allocate emergency resources to address the immediate needs of residents in the Tamale metropolis, and then deploy emergency water relief supply. Even if the Ghana Water Company can ration water around the community, it may alleviate the suffering of the people. May I speak in conclusion, the water shortage in Tamale is a humanitarian crisis demanding urgent attention by government. Well, uh, the former Deputy Minister for Water Resources, Works and Housing, and MP for Bodhi, um, Samsinahi, sent an appeal uh, to the National Security Architecture and the Sanitation and Water Resources Ministry to deploy water tankers to Tamale immediately. That uh, Ghana Water Company, for that matter, the, minister, the ministry, organized these tankers to provide water to serve these government institutions for us, we look for lasting solutions. I remember when we were in office, we were trying to, uh, when, when we were in office and then there was a water crisis in uh, Winneba. Honorable uh, Afeyo at that time went to our office and we marshaled tankers to address his water crisis for him. Honorable leader, today, your friend, Honorable Haruna, is facing the same problem. I wish that you will go back, you will correct what we did for you. And then call on government to do the same thing to support Honorable Haruna and his people. And we can go now live to Tamale, the northern regional capital. Let's bring in our regional correspondent who joins us now, Martina Bugri. Uh, Martina, how bad is the situation with the water supply? I would say it's very bad. 
especially for communities that are already dependent on rain-fed um, water. Now, these communities have always uh, relied on the dams. And so from October, November, December, these dams dry up, which makes it very difficult for them to get water. And so when you look at um, communities around the metropolis, these communities do not have water. Um, let's take um, like Tamale South, for instance. Even those around Kapayili, which is in the town itself, are not having water. So you can imagine communities who have to depend on the um, damp water. And so for Tamale Metropolis itself, there's a huge problem when it comes to water. Most of the uh, dams are currently dried up and people are traveling over 10, 15 kilometers to look for water. Water tankers which are selling, are selling between 400 Ghana cities and 800 Ghana cities, which is uh, way, way expensive. Initially, a year or two ago, it was 120 Ghana cities, which was manageable, but it's moved so fast. Currently, it's being sold at 400 Ghana cities. And so people are unable to buy they are unable to get water and they are relying on very unwholesome water. And so I would be surprised if we begin to record uh, waterborne diseases in the municipality. And I, I believe you've been affected yourself. Yes, I have to buy, I bought um, a tanker, 400 Ghana cities a week ago. And this is supposed to last to just about a month. And then you have to look for 400 Ghana cities again to buy. If you can't, it means that you would have to look for wholesome water. So you have um, drains, people are fetching from drains, and people are fetching from, say somebody has a well, and then they are selling out to people to buy so that they can have water. It is serious in um, towards the UDS area who already do not have water. This afternoon we're around the school campus and you see people with water gallons around. They are buying from waterways and going there to sell. And so these are some of the issues when it comes to water situation in the northern region. Uh, uh, and the rains are not coming in any moment. So between now and April, May, that the rain is going to come, people would indeed suffer when it comes to looking for water. And how long has this persisted? Um, it has always been like that. Every year um, from October, November, we start having water crisis because the treatment plant is unable to supply enough. Um, they say the uh, city has outgrown the treatment plant. The machines are still. And so already they have their challenges, which makes it very difficult to uh, have enough water. And so once the rain stops, and people have to rely on the Dalon treatment plant for water, then the crisis begins. Uh, Martina, thank you very much. And if you are in that part of the northern region, we want to hear from you tonight. 55 Share your personal stories with the water crisis that you're experiencing in the Tamale metropolis and other areas uh, in, in the region. Uh, by the way, as this became an issue on the floor today, the Minister for Sanitation and Water Resources and her deputy were not available in Parliament for these comments. And we keep an eye on this. We'll 
try and get you some clarity from the Ghana Water Company what the problem really is. And meanwhile, if you live in Somanya and its environs, you need to brace yourself for water shortage as the Ghana Water Company Limited plans to shut down one of its plants in Gong that serves the Kobo Somanya area for the next two days. Well, the company says the move is to facilitate the installation of a new interconnection pipeline and foot val valves at the Gong Water Treatment Plant. Well, let's bring in um, the Director of Communications of the Ghana Water Company Limited, Stanley Mate. Thank you so much for your time here um, tonight on Newsnight. Well, let's start from Tamale. What really is um, accounting for this acute water shortage being experienced in the area? Okay. It doesn't look like we have um, Stanley Marty um, joining us, but as and when uh, we get him so that we can get some answers and the plan shut down as well. And like Evan says, if you have, um, you're experiencing this acute water shortage, we used to experience it in the Ablekuma West area, now has been resolved. That's your area? That's my area. And it's been when was resolved it resolved? Now. Just about two weeks ago, and uh, we started getting water, steady water supply, um, mostly in the evenings, but at least better than Tamale is experiencing. So as and when we get Stanley Marty, we'll get some answers from him. But maybe we'll go back um, to Parliament separately. There's been the Public Accounts Committee and they've been sitting and it has emerged at the Public Accounts Committee sitting today that government invested $12 million in setting up the controversial Ejapa Mineral Royalties in 2020. Well, the minerals trading vehicle, which was established as a special purpose vehicle for trading mineral resources, is uh, on behalf of government, came under serious public criticism uh, from civil society organizations who raised questions about transparency and viability of the venture, leading to the its suspension. You remember the uh, special prosecutor conducting a, a corruption uh, investigation into it that then led to its death, many will say. It emerged at the Public Accounts Committee sitting today uh, during the hearing of the, the Minerals Income and Investment Fund that $12 million was spent on consultancy, office space, and other initial preparatory activities. Now listen to the Chief Executive of the Fund, Edward Nanayao Kranti. IPO, and um, as honorable members are aware, for every IPO, consultants, extra come in, um, the, the establishment of an office in the United Kingdom um, and also in Ghana, etc., come into place. So there have been expenses. The whole idea was for MIF to be reimbursed after the IPO. Um, but as the IPO is now suspended, um, we, we, until, until that suspension is lifted, we, we can't uh, move on with EJAPA. How much have you spent so far in, in relation to EJAPA? I'll get the exact figure, but it should be circa. Uh, it should be around 12 million, 12 million dollars. Yeah. 12 million dollars, right? 12 million dollars. Okay. Yes. Which is hanging now? Yes, Honorable Chair. Okay. In Japan, the expense was towards an IPO. So it is important that the uh, MIF and the Japan and even Ministry of Finance look at how we could even use the company, it being a royalties company for our purposes. So the IPO for, for such an extensive global IPO, usually um, such expenses have to be, have to be um, 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 incurred for you to have an IPO. Unfortunately, in the investment bank world, well, this is what happens. So it is up to us to look at how we strategize in using this as a royalties company. Um, as 
honorable members may be aware, a lot of the time the royalties companies actually even make more money than the companies than than the um, companies that are listed. So it was an opportunity, but um, again, we'll see how it goes. Uh, for for us, we are not able to um, to give definite a definite response to this um, because of the directions and from where the directions also um, came from. Well, this definitely is an issue uh, that will delve deeper into $12 million just for the setting up. And it was actually a dead term. We didn't see it happen. But another issue that came up today is the government inability to pay Ghana National Petroleum Corporation over $23 million, 17 years after the sale of Westel. James Saveji uh, was um, sat through on the Public Accounts Committee sitting today and joins us in the studio. Now, let's talk about this particular $23 million and the fact that just a portion of the long-term debts the government of Ghana and other agencies owe the GMPC mm. uh, was paid. Let's talk about it. Yes, I'm So this is a total of some $208 million that uh, both the government of Ghana, the finance ministry, uh, the Tema Oil Refinery, as well as the Ghana Gas Company, all of those uh, institutions owe the GMPC. Now, this $23 million in question uh, was a uh, part of in fact, the total value of the share GMPC held in the then Westel company, which was later sold and acquired by Zane Group and then transformed uh, to what we call Etel Tigo, which is now going to be sold again. Mm. So in 2007, when government sold uh, its share of 75% uh, share in this company, amounting to some $120 million, they were expected part of that $120 million was held by GMPC. And so it was expected that they would pay this money to GMPC. But I just emerged today as part of the questioning, in fact, uh, a probe into this before it was uh, revealed that this is actually uh, the money that was not paid back to them. The uh, chairman of the committee was quite furious about mm -hmm. this. 17 years down the line, we're still talking about money not being retrieved to uh, GMPC after the sale of this company. We can listen to him uh, make, make the point. That arose as a result of the sale of uh, Westel, Sierban, as a sale of as a result of the sale of Westel. So it's an old uh, debtor to be standing in our books. So, so when Westel was sold, right, GMPC was a shareholder in Westel. Very well, Sierban. So when Westel was sold, the share of money that should have come to you for your shares was twenty-three million, and well. government did not remit same. Very well, Sierban. And you are still keeping this on your book. Westel has been sold. It was sold to Airtel. Airtel now became Airtel Tigo. And that's one too. They're about to sell it. And they sold it for one dollar. And you think you'll get your 23.2 million? Mr. Chairman, writing debt in Abuja, uh, we, we need to go through uh, a process. And uh, our auditors and accountants will, will tell you it's, it's a quite a laborious process. We go through our board, certify it. We have to go through Minister of Finance and also go, go to Parliament. So um, once it's in the books, well, unless we go through that process, we, we, we cannot um, um, uh, write it off. So we take note of that and go through the process to uh, write a dot, debt off if, uh, 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 the, uh, after discussing with our auditors. Chairman, I, I, Chairman. I, I seek your guidance on this, on what advice we should give them relative to this $23.2 million that accrues from the sale of Westel. It's been, that, that I can say has been over a decade. Oh. And so, well, well, that, Chairman, that is, guide us. That is the money government of Ghana is supposed to give to the company, which they did not give. So 
The government of Ghana is, is owing the GMPC that money. Mr. Chairman? Yes, Mr. Chairman, the government of Ghana. Yeah, the government of Ghana is owing, so they should, they should be able to refund the money to GMPC. Well, there was also the concern about the $29.5 million disbursement from the Petroleum Holding Fund. How mm. did the GMPC explain this payment? Yes, so you remember when government, in the conversations about the energy sector debt and all of that, we were told that government was renegotiating some of these uh, deals to uh, actually abrogate the take or pay uh, component of this uh, debt. And so uh, the GMPC noted, in fact... Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. That uh, $29 million was captured in the Auditor General's report as mm. some unclassified payment. And so they make the point that when this abrogation was done at the time, some of the uh, IPPs had already incurred courses from this take, take up. And so per the laws around it, they had to pay this money uh, in order to avert any uh, judgment debt. And that is why they had to do this particular payment. The government as a policy took a decision through parliament to get the gas prices reduced and also abandon the take or pay policy. And uh, that exercise uh, uh, brought in some costs that we had to treat it under equity finance, under the approval of the ministry. Same applies to the soil uh, uh, decommissioning. Uh, we were asked to handle it and treat it as such. So Mr. Chairman, in 2021, the auditors raised it we explained to them, we resolve it in 2022. It's no more an issue. The auditors have agreed, and it's not in the management letter of the uh, 2022. So, Mr. Chairman, it ignores the benefits of the nation, and the auditors have agreed, and it's no more in the 2022 audit accounts. Mr. Chairman, thank you. But, um, WTCO, the disbursement of the petroleum revenue is governed by the Act. So, if government took decision, that resulted in this additional cost. Why should you deduct it from the petroleum revenue or made a payment from petroleum revenue? It should be made from government. M Mr. Chairman, uh, as I already explained, if you look at the auditor's notes, yeah. they quoted the, 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 the law, yeah. section 16 to, and, uh, and explain it. And uh, we had to discuss with Minister of Finance the ministry, and uh, it's about application of cost. We felt, and uh, at the meeting, we agreed that it, mm. should be, it should form part of the ash stream activities that will affect the gas pricing and also the decommissioning. So, hmm. well, let's talk briefly about mm. that public interest question that came up on the Japa mm. and that twelve million dollars that was used in just setting up that particular. Um, you know, Ijapa Mineral Royalties in 2020. Mm. Mm. So, uh, some bit of clarification came up on what exactly the money was used for. The consultancy mm -hmm. uh, we were told was led by one Imara consultancy with other consultancy groups as well. Mm -hmm. And then part of it also went into the setting up of office complex for uh, 
the uh, the royalties both locally and internationally you remember that uh, they would have to enlist on the uk stock exchange as well and so they were setting up foreign uh, uh, offices as well and so all of that is what they say uh, went into the 12 million dollars but the chairman has asked that they provide the committee with a list of consultants who have, they have engaged in the process as well as uh, the uh, actual expenditure and also uh, inquired what exactly led to the suspension of uh, the uh, the deal mm -hmm. uh, at the time we were told that it was a the president ordered that it was suspended but even the minerals income investment fund itself do not have any particular reason why because they say that i mean if the president gives a directive that you should suspend you have no uh locals to question his directive but the committee insists that they provide them with, with the a details. reason uh, okay. details on the reason as well okay well let's say uh, bringing the man who was uh, really uh, doing a lot of questioning around uh, this particular uh, public interest question on ijapa uh, ibrahim mutala mohammed uh, joins us he's a member of the public accounts committee i'm grateful for your time here on news night so giving the breakdown that you heard from the chief executive of myth um, edward uh, nanayal cranting we've talked about the fact that the 12 million dollars was spent on consultancy office space and other initial preparations leading to the setup um, you must have been convinced well first and foremost the the 12 million dollars didn't include the consultancy my understanding is that the 12 million dollars was spent for the purposes of establishing regional if you like offices in ghana and some offices abroad the idea of the consultancy came up when he said that they provided some express advice and they got consultants who looked into the matter because they didn't have the entire capacity to be able to advise government on the matter so that was when the issue of consultancy came up i wanted to know who were the consultants or the experts advice they got. So I think that my understanding with regards to the response that the $12 million never included the consultancy. So there might have been some amount of money paid for the mm -hmm. purposes of consultancy. So aside now, the $12 million, so from your understanding in terms of the questioning and the responses that you got, they must have spent much more than the $12 yeah, million? Dollars. more than the $12 million. In fact, the $12 million was specifically when the chairman asked how much they spent in establishing the fund and he said that they spent about 12 million dollars and he went ahead to talk about offices they needed to have and some offices in the united kingdom now i then wanted to know based on earlier response he gave when he said that they engaged experts who advised them for the purposes of establishing the japan you know fund that was when he said that they had some consultants and mentioned the amara and others so the chairman then demanded that they provide the committee with the list of the consultants or the experts advice they sought for which reason this was established. But you see, what was telling about this is that the idea of the Japan fund came from the Ministry of Finance. The, the Mineral Income Investment Fund was never involved. So when I wanted to find out whether before the president took the decision to ask them to halt Niger fund, whether they were consulted. But mind you, they are the implementers of the fund. And the technical men who worked on every document of the fund was technical men from the Minerals Income Investment Fund. I was shocked to hear that the president never communicated to them officially. The president, even though has executive powers, 
But those powers must not be used arbitrarily. More so when $12 million, that is over 100 million Ghana cities, already sunk into something that we cannot tell what happened. Now, we also wanted to find out whether the president gave reasons. At least, if he didn't give reasons to the people of this country, he would have given reasons today, the, the, the missed people who worked on the technicalities, the documents and everything. And his response is that they were not given any reasons. We also wanted to find out whether there was official communication haven't directed, at least there should have been official communication to them. They don't have any official communication. They only said that there was only one communication between the presidency and the Minister of Justice and Attorney General. And for me, that was extremely shocking. So the $12 million was just for the establishment of offices. Amount of money spent on consultancy, we are yet to know. It may be more than the $12 million. And how much time did you give MIF to provide the documentations on the well, consultancies? Well, the chairman directed that we need that information as quickly as possible. We expect that by tomorrow they should provide us with that information. Because this is an information we were expecting that he would have at his fingertips. And he said that he needs to provide that information because he never expected that question. But you see, what is also galen about this has to do with the fact that the Ministry of Finance took the decision to have this EJPA fund, what kind of advice was put into it? $12 million, what this $12 million could have been done? The people of this country needs to be told the reasons behind government action that they held, how the process, was it a political reason? Even a political reason, I think that we demand from the government to tell us why they took that, that, that decision. Because $12 million is not small money. We are grateful. That's Ibrahim uh, Mutala Mohammed is a member of the Public Accounts Committee. Uh, we'll take a quick break now and um, bring in George Riafi uh, from the world of business uh, with all the details that's happening. When we come back, we'll talk about fish for sex, the situation in Halfasini, Jomoro, uh, where we are told that the young ones or the girls, teenage girls, are compelled to treat sex for fish in a bit to fend for themselves. So due to that, the girls are young, so the fishermen take advantage of the situation and have sex with them. Fish for sex is prevalent here. And George, your face here with the latest from the world of business. Hello, George. Hi, Evans. And uh, coming up in business, Bank of Ghana increases dollar support for market as it explores other measures to deal with the recent pressure on the Ghana city. And World Bank assures of prudent measures to ensure that the $300 million budget support for Ghana is uh, used wisely as finance ministry seeks parliament's approval to aid the disbursement of the funds. The Business News on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business. Kingdom Books and Stationery, Synthes Tanks and Pepsodent, Charcoal and Herbal. Welcome back to Business on Newsnight. Now, the Bank of Ghana is increasing the amount of dollars it supplies to the market as a temporary measure to try and deal with the recent pressure on the Ghana city. The central bank has moved from under $5 million to more than $10 million for the market. There is more in this report. Demand for dollars continues to pick up with requests coming from the manufacturing, agroic, and the energy sectors. The surge in demand is believed to be one of the major drivers of this sustained depreciation of the Ghana city 
that we've seen over the past two weeks. Joy Business understands that some $50 million was released onto the sports market by the Bank of Ghana to help manage the pressure on the Ghana CD as the regulator looks at other measures to deal with the recent challenges facing the Ghana CD. Sources close to the Bank of Ghana say other measures are being instituted to deal with this perennial pressure on the Ghana CD in the first quarter of every year. The Bank of Ghana is also planning to carry out a dollar auction program for the bulk oil distribution companies tomorrow. The central bank is expected to sell about $20 million. This should go a long way to aid in the import of finished petroleum products. Industry watchers believe this will go a long way to deal with recent challenges facing the Ghana city. This is because some of the requests from these bulk importers are one of the biggest contributors to the local currency's mixed fortunes. Some market analysts say despite the recent challenge with the local currency, the rate of depreciation is far lower than what the country posted in the same period last year. And that is a business dex report. Now, the World Bank has given the firm assurance that it has measures in place to ensure that funds advanced to government are utilized prudently. The assurance is coming as the finance ministry is working to secure parliament's approval for the $300 million budget support for the country that has yet to be disbanded despite the approval last month. David Alama is a senior economist at the World Bank Group. A consistent program of reforms and the funds is based on the effective implementation of these reforms. So these areas, the priority areas that I've mentioned before, there is a list of specific reforms that have already been implemented, you know, before these, these funds get disbursed. In addition, the World Bank ensures that the overall macro fiscal framework is adequate, basically meaning that the budgets you know, and the debts are sustainable or are on a path to sustainability. And finally, we monitor macro and fiscal policies uh, closely directly with the government and jointly with the IMF. What is your overall expectation on how this inflow will impact on the broader economy? You know, we hope that it will help um, shore up uh, the, the government finances, finance the, the fiscal for this year, but also help to rebuild the foreign exchange reserves and confidence in Ghana in general. And uh, David Alama is an economist at the World Bank Group. The fund, actually, the bank last month approved some $300 million for Ghana to help fast track the recovery of the economy. Now, the registrar of uh, companies, Madam Jima Mowari, has indicated that she is still awaiting co-liquidation orders to aid the payment of bailout package to customers of defunct financial institutions. Now, some clients of these institutions, like Blackfield Capital, is yet to receive the full payment for their investment and deposit. Now, this is due to legal tassel by the owners of these institutions trying to stall the process. The registrar says that little has been done unless the court is able to get the processes finalized. I, I must say that we have settled many of these fund management companies. The two outstanding companies are Black Shield and Crown Capital. And those are currently before the courts. We are seeking for a liquidation order. Once the order is granted, then they would all fall part of the bailout package that government put in place for such firms. And then we'll be able to pay the investors their monies. 
Register of Companies, Madam Jemima Oware. Now, economist Professor Peter Korte is pushing for non-essential expenditure cuts to help deal with the revenue mobilization challenges. There are predictions that government will struggle to raise the required revenue this year over difficulties in rolling out some of the taxes. Now, Professor Peter Korte says that there is still a way around this thing to help deal with the challenge. We all agree government needs to raise revenue because we need to show up our revenue GDP ratio. But let's continue, let's not continue to overburden the already burdened taxpayer. There are other options by which you can raise revenue. Make the existing tax handles more efficient. You don't have non-tax revenue. There are state-owned enterprises that are supposed to provide de declared dividends for government. Uh, some are not efficient and they are rather making... Escuchas ese rugido. Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Losses and drawing on the kitty. So these are all things that one has to look into. And of course, government also cutting down its expenditure, looking at some areas where it needs to have value for money. Some of these things you need to engage. Uh, apart from engaging. Professor Peter Corte is an economist. Now, some players in the hospitality industry say they are yet to feel the impact of the Valentine's Day celebrations on bookings and sales. Now, the day which falls tomorrow, should by now seen some of these hotel recorders, some bookings, as well as some good sales. Dr. Akanyamika is president of the Ghana Hoteliers Association. Traditionally, the Valentine's Day is one of the Biggest uh, times after Christmas and of course uh, the Easter period as well. Uh, so most of the hotels prepare towards it. I must say though that uh, this year in particular, it's been on a rather low key. We are yet to know exactly why. We can uh, suggest some reasons, but we are not uh, very sure. Uh, but the tempo has been quite low, so we, we are looking. Uh, to see what happens tomorrow. Because usually the D-Day itself is where you get to see the actual uh, numbers. And also bear in mind that uh, this is falling on the weekday, a bit of the week for that matter. So it's also possible that some may shift the celebration itself to the, the, the weekend. So the hotels are prepared. Dr. Akanyamika is president of the Ghana Hoteliers Association and MFA. Any plans for tomorrow? I mean, uh, a lot of things. So any plans for the week? Valentine is coming. Yeah. Who is your boyfriend? Uh, I don't have any plans. You have okay. any plans for me? Oh, you want me to be your Valentine? Well, that would not be bad, you know. But, oh. uh, so but ask the, the midweek thing, you know, ask the weekend, the weekend Let the whole world be, hear. The weekend is, is weekend, weekend is better. Are not you know, you want to weekend. push the real, and that's all he's saying. Put the celebration to the weekend, you know. Maza. And for some of us, it's Maza, special. Maza, Maza. <laughs> the thing is tomorrow, which time weekend? Well, let's bring in um, Musbao, and maybe um, he has plans tomorrow. Yeah. You have? Yeah. Hey, this Af year, there is very confident, though. Yeah, we go Africa Games. Yeah, Maza. Tell us what's in sports. Yeah, I mean, it's 25 days to the commencement of the Africa Games. You're all waiting for it. It's the biggest festival. It's the 57th edition. And uh, since it began, of course, Ghana's never hosted. And finally, one of the key facilities for that all-important event is the Bortemann Sports Complex. And guess what? We spend $145 million on that facility. It's mm -hmm. finally ready. Yeah, $145 million. 
in the Potiwan facility. It finally ready. The president was there to commission it. And he has promised an exciting event in 25 days from now. I pledge the full commitment of government to ensure that all visitors to the country are secure. Enjoy the best hospitality Ghana has to offer and experience the greatest of African games. Accordingly, ladies and gentlemen, I have the singular honor and pleasure to declare the Bortema and Sports Facilities for the 13th African Games Accra 2023 duly commissioned. Let me tell you what the Botema Sports Complex will accommodate. Accommodate a total of seven competitive sports, including table tennis, handball, uh, volleyball, swimming, badminton, and uh, triathlon. Uh, notably, four of these events, table tennis, tennis, and uh, badminton, will double as qualifiers for the 2024 Olympic Games in Paris. Today, uh, reporters were there. You can catch the visual, see the facility for yourself on Prime on Joe News Prime later at 8.30. It's quite a good facility. I'm not sure if there's value for money in there, but all the same, we are getting ready. But the sports minister also revealed that once the games are over, the facility will be turned into a sports, a university for sports development. The trail of the competition, the event serve as a catalyst for progress, growth and development, and the construction of the state-of-the-art facilities in the country not only provide a platform for athletes' excellence, but also contribute to the overall infrastructure development, leaving a legacy for generations to come. After Accra 2023, the facility will serve as a center of excellence, nurturing, burdening talent, and providing platform for international competitions. It's, uh, Minister for Youth and Force, uh, Mr. For Yusuf over there. So 25 days to the Africa Games. Uh, sure, Evans, you go and see the facility. Mm. Um, I'm fine now. We're just talking. We're yeah. going to go on a tour. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a it's a it's a tourist facility. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah we'll spend our money. I think time, Easter. Right? Yeah, we'll should, go there. You should spend the Easter mm. weekend just touring the All facility. Right, I will leave you guys. <laughs> yes. Well, it's still live here on News 9 on Joy 99.7 FM. The culture of teenage girls trading sex for fish in coastal communities of Havasini in the Jomoro district of the Western region is commonplace. The girls beg for fish during substantial catch and return sexual favor as payment to the fishermen. It's termed as fish for sex in the local community. Joy News' Stanley Niblu was there to dig into this warring culture and reports. Alphacene is one of 26 coastal communities in the Jomoro municipality of the Western region with prevalent teenage sexual exploitation. Its vibrant shore attracts loads of town folks daily when canoes that go for fishing expeditions land ashore. On occasions where the fishermen have a substantial catch, teenage girls who come to the beach to beg for fish for their families' upkeep become the target of sexual exploitation, as every fish they receive from the fishermen is paid back through sex. As a result, teenage pregnancy and single parenthood are a common phenomenon in the community, with little being done by local stakeholders to address the situation. The practice is termed by indigents as fish for sex, and this is confirmed by the deputy manager of the Jomoro Fisheries Commission, Irene Obin. So due to that, you know, then we sleep with you. The girls are young, so the fishermen take advantage of the situation and have sex with them. Fish for sex is prevalent here. The butter sex trade is filled largely by poverty and parental neglect. 
Semenya Maxwell, a fisherman with more than a decade fishing experience, opens up on the level of exploitation. With the fish aspect, everybody will be struggling for the fish. So if you can uh, assess the one who is who, who is there and he's also giving you and he also, he also has something, that means you also give. So to be give and take, give you fish, give me a butter system uh, in that way. According to Maxwell, married women committing infidelity for favors of fish gifts also exist in the community. At the Anlon line, a set of fishermen have returned from a fishing expedition and are pulling their catch ashore. Atra, a 17-year-old single parent and a victim of sexual exploitation, is among people who have come to the London beach. She explains what she uses the fish she receives from the men for. He has been bringing the fish home when we started dating. I saw some and used the rest to prepare dish for the family. And um, that's um, Stanley Nee Blue's um, report, Fish for Sex. And you can catch the full um, feature on um, Joy News Channel, on Joy, on Joy Prime, and all our social media platforms as well. And uh, what a way um, to cut that. And Evan Spencer, calm down on that. <laughs> Let's go. And, you know, uh, in politics, this, I'm sure, would, would bring back your your mood and everything. Uh, Togia Fede won't reject running mate's position if offered by Mahama. And that's a statement from Asogli State in the lead-up to the running mate saga. And uh, we'll see how it goes. So right? the traditional authority endorses him yes. to go ahead and be... They say they won't reject it. ...and get it. that position. Mm-hmm. If he's offered, they won't reject it. They will allow him to take it. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC.